Simple. Gavin. How are we? I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. So what were you saying? You had a... This is a very good comedian, by the way, and a friend of mine, and he lives in Gippsland. Yeah, Warrigal. Warrigal. Good old... Is that Gippsland? Yeah, it's like southeast. It's like... Two and a half hours. Yeah. And you come in for gigs and you go home and by coach. Catch the V-line coach home and then rinse, wash, repeat. Dedicated. Have you ever thought of driving? I haven't got my license. Why don't you get your license? Yeah, I need. To. I never needed it because, like, well, when now I was, you fucking do. Yeah, now I do. But like, uh, when I was in high school, I worked the next town over, and I played footy locally. And school, there's a bus, so I never drove anywhere. And then when I finished high school, I caught the train to Clayton, and then went to uni at Clayton, Monash. So I never drove, and then I moved into the city before lockdown, before COVID, and then. It was like a tram stop three minutes on either side of my house. But now, now, I'm like, fuck, I need to drive. So, yeah. Were you more buff when you played footy or skinnier? No, actually. Were you a good footy player? I played Aussie Rules for like four years. Yeah. And. You strike me as someone that would either get destroyed or be fast enough no, I played to on, worm his I, way out I of it. I played like half forward flank, more on the wings. Like I was that guy that they'd, they'd try and get it out to and I'd just take it down to the forward line and how did that work out did that work or were you yeah get... I just use my speed because if i run i'm not going to get tackled so you're fast yeah so i used to just be that guy who would just get the ball and just leg it fuck you look like you look so fragile for football you know yeah there's a funny like if photo. you were my son i'd be terrified i'll find a photo for you there's a photo uh under 18s training and <laughs> i'm sitting we're doing like uh it's like I can't remember what the exercise is. I wasn't paying attention, but we were doing like some sort of thing with the ball and like a group, like partners. And yeah, so you lock legs and you do sit-ups by tossing a medicine ball back yeah, and yeah. forth. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the guy next to me, his name, uh, Daniel Helmore, he was like the star player at Bunyip, and he's sitting next to me, and you can see the size of his arms compared to the size of mine, and like mine are fucking tiny, and then this guy is younger than me, and he's just got weapons, and he's just like smashing, and I'm just... Slowly doing the medicine ball, and it's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, I I gained well when I played rugby league out of high school. Fuck yeah! Why'd you play vicious? Why did you do that to your body? I don't know. I just wanted to play. I wanted to give it a go. And then, but the thing is, because I'm 56 kilos now. When I played, Fuck. yeah. But when I played, oh, I got to like 65, 67 between there, and I stayed there for like the whole season. But then once I stopped playing and I wasn't exercising or work, like, because the, the coach, he would make us, like, because he's a concreter. So he would bring his concreting stuff for training. And we'd have to use that. We'd have to, like, run with the bricks yeah, and all that shit. And so I... A guy watched Rocky. Yeah. And uh, so I put on weight. But then as soon as I stopped playing, at the end of the season, I just dropped back to... Can his, you put on weight or is it too hard? Because you're like... Yeah, but I have to, like... Constantly. Are you underweight at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. But I have to constantly be working out non-stop. Like, I have to be running. I'd have to be lifting weights. Otherwise, if I stop, it just burns. Really? Burns it away straight Your away. metabolism is yeah, just Yeah, my metabolism just eats it. How old are you? I'm 24. 24. Has the doctor said anything to you about, like, you should be eating more protein or... Um, I mean, recently, so when I had COVID, I dropped down to 49. Fuck, that's POW weight division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I dropped to 49 because 
I I had long COVID. So for twelve days You had long COVID. Long. So where you have symptoms after the seven days. Right. And so I was I had symptoms for twelve days and I didn't eat like for like four or five days straight. I was just only all I was doing was just drinking like Gatorade or whatever just to keep my fluids up. Yeah, sure. And then I didn't eat anything. Like my housemates were like, You haven't come out for dinner and I was like, I don't wanna eat, I feel sick. And then I dropped down to 49 and I noticed it in my face, like looking in the mirror when I was brushing my teeth, I could see like, I could see like my cheekbones more. And I went to the doctors and they weighed me and then they checked my height whenever they said your BMI is now officially like medically underweight. It's like, like 13.9 or something like that. It's like real bad. Yeah. They're like, you're, cause I'm 178 centimeter. So I'm yeah. five. Five ten, and does, then does that manifest itself in a certain way? Like, with, through are you lethargic? Are you uh, do you forget? Are you forgetful, or you're just fine? You're operating fine. You seem fine on stage. Yeah, so is I your, mean, un, is your underweight issue a problem? I noticed after I came back from COVID, and a couple of comments like Jeremy Dooley. Yeah, uh, he came up to me after I was emceeing Lantern My Club, and he came up to me afterwards. He's like, I was, I was about to walk on stage. And like catch you, he thought that I had no energy left. So like, is the, this after a five minute spot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like, um, for like two two weeks, I had no energy. And even like Husey at Kings was like, "Are you okay? Normally, you know, mm. you're energetic." And he's like, "I'm gonna have to put you later in the show because you have no energy." <laughs> I was like, "Come on, Husey, I had COVID." <laughs> At least he's caring for you. Yeah, he's like, just to keep you safe, and yeah. I'll put you on in the middle. Yeah. So you live out Gippsland Way, and you were telling me before we recorded this pod that you travel all the time up there and back, and if you miss a coach, you have to sort of hang out yeah. in the city. So if I, on a on a weeknight, if you miss the midnight coach... Is that the last that's one? That's the last one. Then you have to wait till 6, and on a weekend, if I miss the 2 a.m., which I did on the weekend... I had to wait till seven fifty. Fuck. <laughs> and yeah, what I. What do you uh, do to chew the clock? I just bought Chinese, ate that, and then. That's half hour though for you. Yeah, and uh, didn't even eat all of it. Of course just, not. Just put it in my bag. You gotta keep up that weight. <laughs> and, uh, and then fucking, I watched just a fight for twenty minutes, at the front of Crown, just. Oh, a biff, a proper, a proper. It was nice. like nine. Nine blokes all in it, and I was like, I'm going to sit there and watch this. Was it proper all in or a yeah, lot of proper all in. pigeon breasting? Because like, as I walked out of Crown, I just heard like one of them go, I didn't even say anything, bro. And then all of a sudden, like he got jumped, and then I kept walking, but then I seen like these two girls. So obviously what happened is he said something to the girls. The girls said something to their partners. The partners defended him. But the girls were like, yeah, get him, get him. I was like, well, now I'm, they, they, if they're instigating it, I need to watch this. This is going to be entertaining. And then there was like a like a five foot dude just swinging, and I was like, "This is great. This is keeping me awake at five in the morning." Was there any method to the fighting, or was it just windmills and it was just windmills craziness? It was just, it was just windmills and just so alcohol fueled. Yeah, punch on. Blokes just had too much at Crown, and they're just like, "I'm going to fight." Does that make you want to pull up a good seat and enjoy? Yeah, fight? I did. I sat yeah. down straight away. I sat down on one of the. The gra- grass-plated uh, seats yep. they have outside the crowd. I was like, I'm just going to watch this. How'd the fight play out? Was it broken up or did someone get dropped? Yeah, eventually, like... Well, one of them threatened to jump in the Yarrow to prove his point that he didn't say anything to the woman. 
He's like, I swear to God, I swear to God, I never said it. I'll jump in the arrow. Hang on, he said swear to God twice. Yeah. Is he, we're talking about a wog here? He was wog. Yeah. Because yeah. I, sw- I swear to God, I swear to God, I yeah, swear to God. Yeah, he was. Like, he's like, AD bro, I swear. Oh, we're talking and, Lebos uh, too. <laughs> but he's yeah, like, definitely windmill punches. Yeah, and Lebos he's like, I'll jump in this yarrow, bro. I swear, I'll, I'll jump in the arrow. I swear, I never so said anything. So that's how he was going to prove it. Yeah. And then, and that they, but then they were like, "Do it!" You know what I mean? Like, we want the fuck does we want to knock you out. You think jumping in the Yarra is gonna be a threat? Like, do it! You know, like the Yarra water would kill him. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be <laughs> fucked. He'd, he'd die in the <laughs> he'd die. in the Yarra, <laughs> or he'd mutate into a super lebo and then just come out with like four arms and just start. <laughs> he's got four times the windmill, and he's just taking yeah. them all out. Just power up. But it was it was insane. I was just watching this fight, and then it only lasted about 15, 20. I was like, "Well, now I've got." Two hours and twenty five minutes before. Yeah, it was fun. There's eight cold Chinese at Southern Cross. Um, and what's stopping you from moving back into Melbourne to just because you're here every night doing gigs pretty much when well, you the, can? The plan was before the fest because fuck, it's gonna be crazy doing mm. the fest out to like doing like the bear pit and then I'm fucking like, well now what am I gonna do? But then. Then my dad, his cancer came back. So when his cancer came back, we all just like kind of paused what everyone was doing. And so like, yeah, I was like, well, I'm not going to move back. Because like since then, like every now and then he's like, Gavin, I need you to pick up like Heidi from school. And I'm like, yeah, right, I can do that. Right, because he's going through chemo. Yeah. Okay, so he's uh, exhausted. And- yeah, so he's he's working still. Is he working? Yeah. Fuck. He's still work. He's a truck driver. So he's still working. But then he's also got like he's going through his appointments, and so I was like, I'll stay, stay in Warrigal, help so, him so out. So it's a no question for you. Like you're no. more than happy to be there for your dad and help him out. Yeah, because all my older brothers moved out. Okay, so, so who's who's living with your dad now? My little sisters. Your two little sisters. So my three little sisters and my dad's partner. Okay. And I live ten minutes down the road, ten minute drive. Yeah. So okay. Happily. So, so you're there for your dad. Yeah. How's he going at the moment? Because he, he beat cancer the first time. He's beat it twice. So, so, so this is the third time. So he had uh, he had melanoma. Uh, is that a skin cancer? Yeah. Because he, he's an 80s boy. So like... Yeah. He's completely tanned. And I was like, that's, that's going to come back. And then it did come back to bite him. Mm. But then... So he had melanoma in like 2017. He beat that. Then he got emphysema in 2019. Beat that. And then his melanoma came back this year and then now he's beaten that he'll beat it yeah i was gonna ask you how yeah. do you feel personally like do you feel like yeah he'll beat it he's going yeah all right, or, he, he's yeah. going fine he he's uh his appointments have been going well he, and the doctors are optimistic as yeah well. the doctors so that that keeps him in good spirits right like yeah he's although got, he's going on a spending spree so it's like oh god <laughs> yeah well he, fuck he bought a second car he bought a second harley he's he's taking my my sisters on ski trips does I'm he like, overplay it? Like, does he go, oh, Gavin, I'm fucked. I need ciggies. Oh, I can't. No, move. he doesn't smoke. Or whatever, but, like but, food or. No, 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 he doesn't. He, uh, I think at he the moment. overplay it. No, nah, his, his mindset now is like, he, while he's going through the treatment, he, anything could happen. You know, like the treatment could not work. It could get worse. Yeah. He could find out in a month that it's spread. So now he's just like, I'm just going to take my daughter's out every weekend that's fucking great yeah he takes them to holidays every weekend has he had a deep and meaningful with you one on one like if anything happens nah you're the man he called me and then he just said like uh like it's come back it's stage three 
he wasn't he at first he wasn't optimistic, but then all of us like, well, you've beat it before, you know. Like, what does stage three mean? Like, is that like pretty bad? Is that what well, stage four is like you're fucked, you're dead, oh, you will dead, you, you will die from that. So stage Unless, four is a, a matter miracle. of time. Yeah, stage four is like terminal. Shit, so stage so three stage is pretty three, full on. Yeah, man. stage three is pretty scary. So like, he, if he didn't find it early, then it could have gone up a stage. So that kind of freaked him out. But then all of us were like, I mean, you've beat cancer twice. Like, if you can beat it again, if anyone can beat it again, it's you. And then the guy's one tough son of a bitch. Like, he, he cancer's not going to take him down. So... What makes him tough in your in your eyes? Like just his upbringing, or just well, yeah, he's just his this, health. He's a, a number of factors. He's, he's always been like he's like uh, his whole upbringing. Like my dad was like uh, he, you know, he was raised like in and out of like uh, what what's those uh, not juvie, but like like foster for like boys, like orphanage or no, it wasn't orphanage. Like his parents would just send him there. Board, like, boarding school? Boarding school, yeah. So, like, right. so, so they like, handballed him away. So, yeah, he's my, my nan was, like, always, like, not caring. It's like me, uh, not me, my dad and his, like, four brothers would either be, like, in and out of juvie or boarding school or my granddad, they'd come down to Victoria from Claymore, New South Wales to Victoria. But even then, my granddad was working, like, every day. And it's like, he was like, I can't look after them. And then, so they would just be in and out of juvie. And then, like, he ended up, uh, just ended up, as an adult, he got his black belt pretty early. He got two black belts and then became a security guard and then worked in the force. And then he was this tough son of a bitch. Was he a copper? Yeah, well, he actually trained the canine. He was a canine unit trainer. uh, And then he worked in security at the same time. And then... How does he get him addicted to drugs? (laughs) How does he do that? Puts it a little bit on the end of the finger. Does he rack up lines for him? Yeah. <laughs> no? And then just fucking gives him Yeah, a that's draw. a good point. How does he do it? Like, he's just giving... Ask him a, for me. Just <laughs> giving everyone these German shepherds blow. How do they get him so riled up over coke mm. and marijuana at airports? They seem yeah. bonkers. But, it, so he did all that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that's toughened him up along the way. There yeah. wasn't that affection, that role model for him to look up to see to create... His yeah. own role model himself. Well, my dad, I mean, he, you know, he was a half German, half Aboriginal man in the 70s. So, like, he was always going to cop it in school, you know, like, and then growing up and then in the, trying to get a job and whatever. So then, yeah, he just learnt from his old man. Just, Is he 50% Aboriginal? Yeah. How the fuck did he get melanoma then? That scares the <laughs> shit out of me. Because yeah. I'm a wog and I'm like, nah, I yeah. don't get skin cancer in Greece. Greeks don't get it. Nah. Shit, Usually just born tanned. Like, yeah, but that's why I'm like, with, with Aboriginal genes, he's yeah. fucking, he's a shoe-in. He's well, he's still no got problem. that 50% white, so yeah, right. he just got unlucky. Fuck. So, uh, so your dad uh, was your role model? Yeah, growing up, he was. Because uh, my mum was never around. So, like, mum would like, my mum was like a massive alcoholic and... And she took, she took drugs. And I mean, we never knew like what, but you could tell. Growing up as a kid. Growing up as a she kid. She was uh, derailed or unhinged. Rather. Yeah. Well, my dad. Uh, but you couldn't work it out. Yeah. Well, we like, I remember like a bit like on a new year's party and I'd walk out the backyard and I'd see her like getting a, like a small bag 
off like the, a guy who I knew was the dealer that like the local area and it wasn't mixed lollies and it wasn't mixed lollies yeah it's like they came oh, in can bags, I have those can I have those gummies school. like why are you getting gummies and not yeah. me and uh but yeah and then she would just like dad would be working free jobs and be like why is he working he'd, he'd be he'd like work at primo in the freezers yeah from like 11 p.m to 4 a.m and then he'd get up at like six and then he'd you know work his business two hours yeah he'd have two hours sleep and then he'd work his business and what's then, his business well, he was running a hobby shop with my uncle. What hobbies? They were like petrol cars, RC cars, RC planes and all that. And then, so he'd run that. And then, he, then he'd just work like freelance jobs just to try and pay money or and, get money. And all this while your mum was at home? Well, mum was just sitting at home drinking just on whatever she could. And then... Do you, looking back now, do you, do you sort of freak out why your dad didn't break up with her a lot sooner? Well, dad was... The thing and the thing about he, dad uh, was dad was a victim of domestic violence for, like, a long period of time. But when you have six kids all under the age of, like, 16, he's like, I can't just... Sep-. Like, they've sep- they separated, like, twice. Mm. And both times, like, it was hard because, like, the first time it was, like, me and my brother, Justin, went with dad. And then my brother Nathan and my two other sisters went with mum. Mm. But then they got back together for the for the family. And then they split up again. And then they got back together for the family. And then in 2018, mum walked. That's when she left. She walked out on him. And he just raised us all by himself. And your mum never came back? Funny enough, my mum, she left. And she, she walked out on dad. And then we found out like a week later she was living at her friend's place down the road. Wow. And then then Dad moved to Druin, from Bunyip to Druin, and he was there for like four months. We didn't know where. We never heard from Mum. And then we found out she was staying. She moved into her friend's place in Druin, which was down the road from Dad's again. So like, and somehow she knew where Dad was and she was keeping an eye of, of like my little sisters, but never actually bothered to come and visit him. Sister, looking back now, do you realize, oh, fuck, fuck mum had her demons, man. She was on drugs. Like, yeah, or my mum. Like, how like, is how is your relationship now with her? Has she come back? She's she's fine now. Like, is she making an effort? Yeah, she she got, you know. She, or is that because you were on TV? Funny enough, that's I remember after I did AGT, mum never really contacted us. And then I did that, and then I got a text from her. <laughs> And she's like, oh my God, you're on TV. That's amazing. And I was like, that's cool. Where were you on my birthday? You know, like, (laughs) I'm rich, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, I mean, the last year or two, kind of, she kind of got back into contact. She, you know, she got her own place. You know, she she started getting clean and all that. And then she she doesn't really drink as well. She started working. So like, but then she was still like trying to take dad down for months. She found her dad is loaded. And so then that's, I used to always say like, we knew dad was loaded because mum got back into contact with him. And that's the only reason, if dad wasn't rich, she would never have like got back into contact. And then, yeah, so she's fine now. We talk, but the thing is only like me and one of my brothers talk to her. Like my other brother. How's she doing? Is she straightened up a lot? Yeah, I mean, we visit her for Christmas, and That's she's good. she's she's good. You know, she's but yeah, man. but yeah, you can you can never forget. But so can like, you forgive? Like, do you, yeah. are you at that place now? Because well, that's pretty wise of you. Like, if you can forgive, you can never forget. Yeah, but I if mean, you forgive. It's... We did forgive forgive her to an extent. I mean, you can't forgive 
not being able to go to a school excursion because she spent money on drugs and your friends come over to visit you and they're watching her punch your dad in the back of the head. Fuck. And then you have to go to school and they're like, this girl's dad, you know, because sh-. and then your dad's picking you up from school and then all the other parents are looking at your dad like he's the weak one and then their kids are giving us shit knowing that our dad wouldn't defend us and it's all while mum's sitting at home drinking. It's like you can't forgive those sort of stuff but like, but then again, you just got to realise she had a bad upbringing. You know, she was, you know, in and out of being kicked out of home. And credit to your dad. He's rock solid, eh? Yeah, he's one fucking... Solid, man. Tough son of, son of a bitch. He, no matter what, he, he always... it right and he, smart. Well, he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, I'm only here for my kids. And mm. that's it. He's like, he, he'd, he'd always get, like, we'd watch him just absolutely cop it from mum. And then he would just be like... I know she's drunk. So these early memories, like that, what you just described now, these early memories, is this going back to when you were 14, 15? Like 11. 11. 12, yeah. So we were living in housing commission in okay. Sydney. And I remember, like, one of the first memories, I would have been 11, and we were living in, like, a two-bedroom housing commission flat. And I remember my mum, I was just upstairs, like, just in my room. And then I remember hearing my mum. I hear my mum scream. I was what the hell? And I ran downstairs. But it was her. My dad had thrown her out the front door. And said, you need to calm down. And then she kicked the door down. And then, like, oh, this isn't good. And then my dad dragged her outside, away from the kids. Closed the door. Locked the door. And then we would, we ran up to the top of the stairs. And were just watching out the window. As my dad was just, like, trying to keep his distance. She's just throwing everything at him. The cops came, everything. And then that was like, I was like 12. And then just got worse and worse and worse. And then eventually dad kicked her out. So, but yeah, she, you learn to, to realize that, you know, my mom's like, she, she's got bipolar. She's also got schizophrenia. So like, you know, you mix that with alcohol and drugs isn't a good thing. But then now you realize as an adult, you know, she had her own issues. And then she, you know, she's made up for for most of them. But I think what you're saying is so fucking intelligent and yeah. wise, man. It's the correct answer. You don't know, you know, she's got her demons. She had her demons and she's overcome them now, I hope. And yeah. she's on the right path. And it's it's a lot it's it's a lot wiser than just going. She was a fucking bitch. I don't want to well, talk about my her. brother. You know, you've processed. My the older whole brother thing. doesn't talk to her. He like he'll, he'll like call her Lisa on Christmas and and whatever. Like she'd come over or we'd go over there and she'd give us like presents and well mainly our little sisters for us it's just like gift cards or whatever just go some yeah. money just go buy whatever you want and he'd be like thanks Lisa and I was like dude show some respect dude like she's mm. obviously you know like. Yeah. Four years ago, she wouldn't have given you a Christmas present. She would have been, like, in bed on Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. I now, think, but at the end of the day, your brother's going to behave the way your brother's going to behave. Yeah, uh, of you, course. You, fuck yeah, yeah. You can't own that responsibility. At least you're, I think, that's how I would have tried to play it, as wise as you. If yeah. I, if I could be as, as smart as well, you I in mean, that situation. To... I think if I was to ever go down that track and I was to, like, go on drugs you know, spend all my money on drugs and alcohol and whatever. And if someone, if I was to then try and be better and if my family were to push me to the curb, you you wouldn't like that, you know? So, like, if someone's trying to be better, why would you kick them down, you know? So, yeah, she's, 
she's slowly getting there, and then. So all the so you described before a situation eleven years old, twelve years old, all this yeah. shit was happening in the home. Uh, how did humor start? When did humor start coming into your life in terms of uh, finding funny sh- situations, making people laugh? Like for me, it was um, through a lack of having any parents at home. Like they yeah. were always working in a factory. So I was all alone, so I created my own entertainment. And when I had the neighbors' kids, I would try and make them laugh just to get some. Hey, I'm over here. Yeah, I'm do. I'm I'm alive. Someone give me some attention. Yeah. So how did it? How did humor manifest itself in your life at that age, or when did it start coming in? Well, I mean, me and my brothers, like we, my brother older. Yeah. They're so all... you're, were you getting? Uh, did you always try and one up them because they were older? You had to step up a bit yeah. more. Because like, my brother used to bash me if I didn't get to the joke quickly enough. Oh, my brothers just bashed me because <laughs> they had to. Um, I was the I was the runt of the family. Like, but, how did you get bashed? Was it a corker or a cupcake or sit on your face and fart? Or nah, it would, it would usually be fucking just because I was small. Oh yeah, yeah. They would just they I would just break they, they would just sit on my arms on my biceps. Yeah, you're fucked. And then, once they sit on my biceps, it's like weighted. So like now, yeah. now I'm sitting there going, well, I can't do anything, and then they're just fucking <laughs> slapping the shit out of me, yeah. and you just take it, you know. Take it, you, you gotta know? take it. I knew I'd do, I'd do the same if I had a little rubber, you know. And uh, but then me and my brothers, we, I mean, we didn't really have TV growing up, like we didn't really go out, like on a, every day we just play footy, you know. So like that's all we did. So like cracking jokes, you know. When did just, you realize, oh, shit, I think this is a thing. I like this. I remember... I like this buzz. I would have been, like, 15, and uh, my school had uh, a variety show. And I remember... Because I, I used to get fucking bullied hard in school. Like, when I moved from... I wonder why, man. Yeah. Look at you. Well, when uh, I moved... when In Sydney, the good thing about Sydney was everybody was poor. So you can't bully someone for having holes in their volleys when you have them, you know? Yeah, so describe the part of Sydney you were from. Because Sydney is... Uh... Well, I lived in Campbelltown. Right. Which is like... Is that the dregs? Yeah. it's. I lived in Ed's, have... Ed's Campbelltown. Ed, Ed's is like the Bronx of you, Campbelltown. You're away from the beach, right? Yeah. It's just all, all, all right. s- like poor, smashed up suburbs, all housing commission. It's like... You don't go... I remember... There's a famous writer that said, God made the harbour, but the devil made Sydney. <laughs> really? That wouldn't surprise me. That guy definitely lived in Bradbury. And, um, <laughs> but I remember... Funny story. When we first moved to Ed's in Campbelltown, me, my dad, and my brother Nathan, we, we pulled in to the house. And so like we were going to stay there for a couple of nights, set it up, and then the rest of the family were going to come. And when we pulled into the house... Uh, we get out of the car, and then all of a sudden, like seven police vans come driving up the driveway, uh, up the up the road into the cul-de-sac, and they pull out in front of a house. This is where you're just moving into the this, street. This was the day we were taking boxes out of the car. So this is the start of a neighbors episode. I'd yeah, like, like neighbors is finishing. Let's relaunch it. Yeah, with a like, realistic element. Well, see, funny, you remember the show Houses? Yeah, yeah. That was filmed in my suburb. Right. I remember I watched that movie okay. in Victoria I know with my mates. From. And there, there's a scene where Frankie, whatever, is running through a park. And you see like a... Like a like Paulie an, with the hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see like an alleyway and at least like a cul-de-sac. It's like my auntie lives wow. on that cul-de-sac. Okay, and I so just, he crushed it. He yeah. nailed it. And uh, so this, these cars, they pull up and they pull up in front of his house. And they drag a dude, like a massive like Pacific Islander dude. 
and took like so many of them to drag him out. You have to take a lot of cop cars to that situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like one dude's not doing it, you know? Yeah, especially if he's burning the glass barbecue. Yeah. He's in Hulk mode. And it's it turns out that guy just like, you know, just stabbed someone in his house. Someone <sighs> came over, there was an argument, he stabbed him, and then the cops all rocked up and I looked at that. We didn't know what happened. And we just seen like him get dragged out and we looked at our dad and dad's like, Well, home sweet home, I guess we're just gonna be here. And then we just knew it was going to be rough. I saw this joke on Richard Pryor where he's doing stand-up and uh, he visits a jail. Yeah. And he he chats to all these inmates and then he goes, thank God we've got penitentiaries. Because <laughs> he goes, I was chatting to this big Black Islander guy. Yeah. And he said to him, why'd you kill everyone in the house? And the guy goes, because they was home. <laughs> <laughs> I was like thinking of that guy. That's great. Yeah. I remember I, when I studied legal studies in high school, we went to uh, like a prison and we spoke with like some of the prisoners and they were telling That's stories. Who fucking does that school trip? That's enormous. Yeah, enormous. this is Gippsland, man. They don't give a fuck. Holy shit. That's more of a scare tactic than We anything. went to a cheese factory for <laughs> fuck's sake. You went to a joint? And we, we sat in like a room with like the safest inmates and even they're telling a story and like... Everyone in my class is shitting themselves. I'm like, this is sick. Like, I don't know why. What, what were these inmates in for? Like, the the, hot, the hardest thing they had done that you were exposed to? Um, One of them was just, like... Armed robbery or something? Yeah, just armed. Well, two of them were armed robbery. One was, like, was sexual assault. And I was like, yeah, put him next to year 11 <laughs> schoolgirls. That's gross. fucking genius. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then, yeah, most of them were just, like, fucking armed, like, attempted man- uh, manslaughter and shit like that. Attempted manslaughter. Or no, attempted murder. Attempted murder, manslaughter. Yeah. And yeah, so yes. like we just listen to them tell stories about what it's like. Yeah. And it's like, I don't. I mean, I'm never gonna be in here. I don't know why you're telling me. But because like we went in to learn about the you know the system and whatever. And well, then, that's the demographic you were living in. Yeah. So they go, we got to get these kids exposed to criminals so they can criminals yeah. can say to them, don't fucking, you don't want this you're because on. it's a career path in your yeah. neighbourhood. Yeah, it's an it is. option. It's like you go to. To Warrigal Tafe, and it's just like yeah. a course, and it's just like arm robbery. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's fucking. It's a, the, so when we moved from Sydney, well, from Campbelltown to. What made you uproot and come to Melbourne? My uncle passed away. So my uncle took his own life, and so my dad had no family but in Sydney. So this is uh, your, your dad's. My dad's brother. So he's business partner. In the hobby shop? Yeah. Did he did he kill himself because of the hours he was doing at a hobby no, shop? He, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's like man, just these toy trains going. Man, seven p.m. at Liverpool markets is killing me. <laughs> but um, sorry, I'm fucking making a joke about that's fine. Yeah. And, and uh, you're a duck cunt as well on stage. Yeah, he uh, so he 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 killed himself. So dad was like, I want to be closer to his old man because he had and no he family and he was impacking him. So he moved. So we went from being poor. To living in the country, which is relatively fine, mm-hmm. but we were still kind of poor because we kind of ex- escaped, so we didn't really have much money. And I, so instantly, as soon as I started, started going to school, we were just bull- people can sense that that stuff. They can sense like they can see you wearing like a long sleeve shirt when there's no long sleeve shirt in the school uniform curriculum, you know. And they just instantly go, "This guy's poor. He's new." And I mean. Yeah, so I just got bullied every day. And then in year nine, I seen like a variety show and I signed up. And I was like, I don't know why I signed up. I don't have any talent. 
Can uh, I ask you just before you get to that, how did you turn the bullying around? Well, that's why. I was like, I, they was can't it? bully me if I bully myself. And so I got on stage. Uh, was that your strategy? Yeah. So like, I got on stage and told jokes. In, and they were like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say I had a similar situation, but I turned the, I, I, I could do impressions. So yeah. I started doing impressions. Of to, them? Of uh, f- just famous people. Oh, right. Like I was going to say, if you did impressions and, of them, they'd kick the shit out of you. Well, some, I did the teachers. <laughs> yeah, right. So that got me uh, off the hook. So you entered, did you enter the variety show going, if I take the piss out of myself, there's yeah. nothing left for them to pick bones at? 100%. Right. So I got up there on stage and I was just made jokes about how skinny I was and whatever. And just told other jokes, jokes that I spent like weeks writing. So your first gig was 15? Yeah. Mine was 16 in uh, my garage to my neighbors. To your neighbors? Yeah, so you beat me by a year. Yeah, well. But then I didn't gig for another 10 years or something. Yeah, well, get good. No, <laughs> no yeah, so I, I did it in, when I was 15. And then... How'd you go down your first ever gig? It was fun. I had a good time. I mean, being a 15-year-old doing comedy, the, the crowd... Well, yeah. I actually wore a suit. Uh, so Got my, any photos? I can find it. Uh fucking funny, and, man. Uh, Put on a festival show. Yeah. With that poster. With that poster. Yeah, crushing it. So I wore, I wore my brother's suit jacket to try and be Seinfeld. And the suit jacket's massive on me, and it's so baggy. And you just see me—I—I I, I had like long, scraggy hair with a suit jacket. I was like, "This is great." I thought I, was, I looked like a king, and then I got out there, and then I'm just talking about how skinny I am, and they can see how skinny I am because the jacket's like hanging over, flapping. And then I did comedy. It was like two nights. It's, it's like a Friday and then a Saturday, and I won the overall. And then people after that, any I, stiff competition, or were they all fucking I mean, stupid? We're all like 15, 16. Yeah, but still, I'm sure you've yeah. been looking at the other acts going, die, bitch, die. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I, I remember not that one, but then I, I went back in year 11 and did it again. So my school, they would have every first year was a talent show and every second year was a musical. And so then in year 11, I went back and they did a one night only. And I remember I did that and I beat like the school captain who was singing. She did like a like a theatrical song. Must have been boring. Yeah, what a what a loser. I'm picturing a Reese Witherspoon. No, she was a big girl, just like trying to use that. All right, Rebel Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then fucking there was this one girl named Jess, and she was in my chemistry class, year eleven chem, and she did a monologue from some play that no one's ever watched and no one gave a shit about. It was boring as shit. She just did a one person monologue to the crowd who were not caring at all. And she had just followed the drum crew, the school drum crew, which was sick. Like, they just did, like, like drums with brooms and whatever. And uh, it was pretty sick. And then she got up and did, like, a monologue and just bored the entire crowd. Did she get heckled? Nah. you oh, would. easy crowd. It'd be pretty funny if they did heckle her. And uh, then I got on two acts later, and I did, like, five minutes of... Con- I remember my first joke was... Uh, <laughs> my first joke was that I was allergic to ginger and nuts. And so I've got the constant fear of the gingerbread man and being teabagged by Ron Weasley. <laughs> and when I said that, the crowd went nuts. And I was like, oh, I've got this. And I just made jokes about, like it was the FIFA World Cup at the time. So I made jokes about Luis Suarez, who just bit somebody. Yeah. I made jokes about that. And I had a fun time up there. And then... Is I, this 2010? No, so year 11. So it would have been 2014. Right, fuck. And then I remember after my set... I went back and I put my bag on because I was like the second last person to perform. 
and I was waiting to leave, and then they announced the winner, and it was me. And then my friend who was in the drum crew grabbed me and like threw me onto the stage and was like, get in there, you know, and they gave me like a $100 FBOS card. And like, this guy is the winner of the 2014 variety show. And then I, my dad picked me up from the school. He didn't come watch. My dad picked me up. And yeah, because he's afraid of that. He heard, he got wind of that monologue. That was <laughs> happening. He's like, I've got to avoid that. Yeah. He's like, fucking, I'm not getting a load of Audi, Jimmy, Camille. And then he rocks up. And I just gave him the hundred dollar gift card. I was like, use this for like bread and milk and whatever. And then yeah, then after high school, I just kept going, just kept doing comedy. But I remember after in year eleven, so I was bullied up until then. And then in year eleven, when I did that, uh, I never got bullied again ever because mm. everyone's like, this guy's funny. And then I went from being the kid who was bullied to the kid who was like, well now I've got to keep this up. Everyone's expecting me to be the funny guy now because everyone would come up like, we never knew you were fucking funny and then so like in school i remember i got kicked out at my history class so like they me and my two best mates were in the same history class together and we got kicked out like over and over and over we just got kicked out non-stop and because i'd just be cracking jokes to piss off the teacher and she mm. hated it yeah and so then yeah i just was always just being the the class clown throughout all of high school and then even in year 12 and then I went went to I was playing footy at the time, so like I'd be on the I'd be the one on the footy field because I can't tackle anybody. Were you sledging? I was sledging. I I even when I was I'd look at a, like a guy who was meant to be on me, like guarding me, because I played in the forward pack, and so I'd be on there. I was like, yeah, I can do shit. What the fuck are you gonna do? And I would just sit there, and while we're sitting there waiting, because our team sucked, the ball never came near end, so I'd just be sitting there talking shit to the other players in the forward pack and their defense, and just crack jokes just to distract them. So that way they're laughing and then they go oh shit and then they go get the ball so I was there yeah, I just took up this persona of the funny guy and then after high school did it and then here we are yeah so you got a taste uh, fast forward a few years you got a taste of channel 10 I think it was a, uh, I think I was overseas when this was unfolding I was working in London but you were on um, what's the show oh AGT yeah Australia's Got Talent yeah on channel Seven. Seven. All right, Seven. sorry. And you were doing stand-up. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like in terms of uh, artistic freedom? Because as comedians, we can go anywhere there is we none. want. In, so in the... And thing, on TV, I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, everything yeah. is cross-checked and you submit your material. Yeah. They proof it. So the audition, you don't have to. Yeah, you can go for I it. I just signed up and just rocked up. And so the audition, you just rock up like... Uh, at like 10 a.m. and then you just wait. How long I, did you wait? I got on at 11 p.m. <laughs> so you waited from 10 I got there at 9.45 and I got on at 11 p.m. Whoa. Yeah, I was there with my dad and my brother. My bro- It was my brother's birthday and he's like, I'll come spend it with you. I was like, it's your fucking birthday. Go out, go for lunch, you know, hang out with your mates. Don't come in. He's like, nah, I'll, I'll come hang out. And so you waited for 11 hours to yeah, get a spot. for 11 hours just to jump up for three minutes and then... The, the audition was fun because they didn't expect no one in the crowd or the judges expected me to do comedy. I just walked out, told jokes. It was fun. Yeah. But then when it comes to the semi-finals, you have to send them a script. Yeah. And once you send them a script, they go, "Can you do this joke followed by this joke followed by that joke?" I was like, "Well, that's not going to work." They structure your material. But they tried to. They said to do this, do followed by this, followed by this. And I was like, "That doesn't work." Yeah, because you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're the conductor. Well, I said of to him, I was material. like, if there's anyone who knows about my dad bashing cunts in Sendling, it's me. I know these jokes. That's yeah. not going to work with that one. And then they're like, we had a comedy writer look over it. 
and he reckons if you do it in this order. And I was like, fine. But then when I got on stage... Who I, was the comedy writer? They didn't tell me. Some old cunt just at the back of the room. And uh, <laughs> I... This fucking asshole's trying to tell you how to do it. Yeah, some set. fucking four-eyed fuck was like... Welcome to TV, bitch. Yeah, he's like, he's like this joke works. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Fuck you, dude. But then I, when I got up on... The, I would ask for the comedy writer's name, man. I'm like, who is telling... Who's this hack? Telling me how to, to steal do my, my jokes. material, yeah. But uh, he's probably got the script still, just yeah. <laughs> waiting. <laughs> and uh, so he told me to do those jokes. But then I, when I got on stage and they were filming... You did it your way. I did it my way. Interesting. So you lied. Pissed them off it so much. Would. Absolutely. They got so angry. Because they're there to, to make yeah. sure that you behave. And I fucking riffed. I crowd worked. When I crowd, I like spoke to people in the crowd. I riffed. They cut out an entire riff. Uh, so, uh, they cut out a part, um, at the end, so, cause one of the judges was like, uh, she's like, you seemed a bit nervous at the start, but then you picked up very quickly. And I was like, yeah, I was nervous. Uh, but then some dipshit yelled something out mid set. So I was like, if he has the confidence to yell, then I'll have the confidence to finish my set. Yeah. And the crowd laughed, but they cut that out. They cut out like half my joke. Um, uh, and then they cut out a whole joke cause it wasn't in the script. So I did this bit. It was working really well, and it was about my dad, uh, and like how like uh, like I paid like the rent, like I pay rents. Like it was just basically saying like like I'm the dad, mm. and I did it, and it got a good laugh, and uh, but they cut it out because it wasn't in the script. So they 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 got me good because they would like well if you're gonna not follow the script we'll just we'll we'll cut, we'll cut the shit out of it, and then they just completely make you look stupid. Yeah, they fucking and then now. It's, I can't. I can never watch that set. It's because right. I know it's too edited. It's too formatted. Yeah. So does it make? Is it, does it? Does it make sense? The the the, the no. set as as much as you cringe watching it. Does it make sense? No. Really? Because they cut out half of a joke. Oh God. So then, as like when my Sendlink joke. That's how you'll be remembered. Yeah. They're gonna play that. <laughs> They're just gonna replay half a joke. <laughs> it's not even the the bet. They cut out the second half of it where the punchline is. It's like the joke ends on a tag and then they cut out the whole bit about like where my dad actually like punched somebody in Sendling. Yeah. And they cut that out for time and I was like, well, you've just cut the punchline. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was your experience over there? Did you enjoy going back to the stage and back to stand-up comedy and love it more so than ever before uh, because you could just do whatever you wanted there? Like you took I'm, that for granted in a way? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Because that I, was my experience coming from radio. Yeah. I did radio for about five years and I wasn't policed as much as you were on television, but I certainly was policed to a degree in terms of what I couldn't yeah. couldn't say. So um, I loved going back to stage and I, that's when I realized I just want to do stand-up because that's where I'm completely free yeah. to say whatever I want. Yeah. I think with this... I just didn't give a shit. I was just doing it just because I knew it will sell tickets. You know, people will come see shows if I'm on a TV. But Did it work? Did for a very brief moment. The thing yeah. is, it went on TV in August, September 2019, but then we COVID hit like two months later. Yeah, sure. So I had all this momentum. Yeah. Like I sold out all six nights at the Melbourne Fringe. And then I was selling tickets for the Comedy Fest in 2020. Yeah, then you lost and the then wind. all that moment. I was just do- I was doing the store. Dead I was doing the all of this, and then all of a sudden, 
I, I came back from the store in February, and then two weeks later, the comedy festival was cancelled. Mm. So I had all this momentum going into the festival. That's fucked. And then it just hits you like a wall. Yeah. And then we, we were in lockdown for eight months. Yeah. And so, but then thankfully I had a good run last year's festival. But yeah, when you have all this momentum and then, but I mean, everybody had momentum, you know. I'm not. I'm not saying that like I was the only one who was hit with a wall. No, but um, this is your personal experience. Yeah, this is but, why I'm talking. But to I you. was on. I was feeling good about comedy after I did this show because people were like, "Oh shit, this guy, who's like." I remember I got a text from Dave O'Neill after I did AGT. So he was at a gig with another comic, uh, and he said to that comic, "Who was that guy that did comedy on AGT? Does he do like it regularly in Melbourne?" And they were like, yeah, he's he's great. And then he's like, give him my number. Uh, and then, no, he's like, he's like, give me his number. And then he sent me a text. Dave O'Neill sent me a text. He's like, would you like to come do the Fairfield Funhouse? And then I was like, yeah, sick. And then it's so like all these people were reaching out and I was doing shows. And then like the Melbourne Fringe sold out. And, you know, I was, you know, actually comedy was looking good. And then we got hit with a pandemic. Mm. <laughs> so... But I remember when I did the show, to, I was still gigging, gigging when I was working on the show, and I kind of pissed them off because uh, on the night of the semi-final, I was originally booked at the store, and I the store is at Fox Studios, and so was AGT. So I was on late in the semi-final, so I ran next door and performed at the store so i ran up did my spot at the store still wearing like the, the clothes they gave me for agt had like the bank up on and then i ran back and then did like went back into the full scripted you got to follow this all that stuff so like i was kind of still had one foot in the door that's comedy that's real comedy rather than coming back and they're like all right back to the script back to the you know the schedule so did they crack it that you did that other spot at Is the that, store yeah uh yeah, they didn't like that. Well, uh, fuck it. That's a that's called a you doubled in well, one night. That's a I, good. Well, I said <laughs> how um, many times have you spoken to comedy? Oh, I doubled tonight. You doubled. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, the thing is, I didn't know I was going to get to the semi final, and so I booked this you run. Book. You I booked the work. run at the store, yeah. and then it was out of pure convenience that the semi final was on the Saturday, uh, of like, uh, of the week that I was doing the store. So I was like, well, I'm already in town. I'm already doing the store. Wednesday to, to Saturday. And they're like, well, can you do it just Wednesday to Friday? And I was like, yeah. But then on Saturday, I bolted, did the store, came back. Mm. And they were like, where were you? And I was like, I was next door. I just dropped into a spot. And like, don't do that. Yeah. I was like, well, I've got to get paid. You know, like, I've got to work. Like, yeah. You strike me as someone that will, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just strike me as someone that's going to be in stand-up for a very, very fucking long time. Maybe even till the end. Like, I don't see you... Quitting? Quitting. I think it's part of you. I just get this feeling. Yeah. Do, is that, am I correct? I mean, I'd love to. <laughs> well, what, what's going to stop? What else are you going to fucking do, Gavin? Yeah. I what think, else am I going to do? I think it's because... We've come too far now. We've committed. Yeah. Well, what else have we got? I mean... We're shit at everything. I'm shit at everything uh, else. Yeah. I tried sport. <laughs> Clearly. Sport didn't work. I tried uni. That didn't work. What did you do at uni? I was studying law. I was in law school. Oh, fuck And then that. I dropped out in... My second year to do comedy, just the the reading. It was, uh, and I was good at it. You know, I was, but then I was like, "This is 
boring. It's boring, yeah. And I was doing gigs at the same time. Like, I started comedy at the same time I started uni. And then I was like, fucking nah. uni sucks, dude. And then and then went straight into comedy. So, like, I'm, I won't ever go back to uni. And I won't study again. And I probably won't do, like... I think I prefer the fact that you didn't get your law degree, then become a comedian. That I didn't get it? Yeah, because you're a comedian before your law degree. Yeah. So you're kind of more, you're more raw on stage. You're more darker. You're more, uh, you just let things fly. Yeah. Whereas I think if you had successfully completed a law degree. I'd be boring. You, you might have due diligence, due process, um, check your material, recheck it before yeah. you open your mouth. And you may lose that spark yeah. that I enjoy watching comics. Well, I don't even write. So, like, I reckon if I did stay in law school, I would have, that would have been yeah. something different. I would have been... Well, now you're leading me to my next uh, question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, you, you. You say you don't write. No. That doesn't freak me out because if you... Yeah, like, you know my room. Behind you, there's a whiteboard and there's fucking shit all over the ground. They're just dot points. Is that what you do? Do you dot points? Yeah. So, if I think of something funny... I write I can a couple of words in my phone. Yeah, same here. And when I'm walking home, talk it. I talk it out loud. Yeah, I don't I sometimes put in my earphones. So people think you're talking to yeah, Yes. And I, I do that all down, the time. I'll, I'll be walking I did 2 days ago. Mm. I was walking from Southern Cross to the tram stop and I was going over a joke before the gig. Same here. And people are like, "Ah, oh, he's just on the phone." It's the best yeah. way because you're I lose energy in the transition from the mind to the pen. Yeah, I just, I just there's some I lose something. Yeah. Whereas talking it out, I have to. I'll be I I because I've tried to sit down and write, but now it's like it just comes off, in my opinion, hacky. Like my jokes, just come, it's like it feels forced. Mm. I'm trying to find punchlines, forcing it, and trying to write punchlines. Well, sorry, I'm writing punchlines rather than finding punchlines. Whereas I feel if I'm walking home or if I'm in the shower, uh, and I'm just going over something funny that happened. You know, like, i give an example, like, my brother met Dan Andrews, like, three days ago, and told us this story about how he, he yelled out, can I make you a whopper? And I was like, that's the most autistic thing I've ever heard. Yeah, what, what what's his context? Was your brother, does your brother work in a Hungry Jacks? So my brother works in Hungry Jacks. And was Dan Andrews in a Hungry Dan Jacks? Andrews, well, Dan, he was he at a Chris Myers gig? Was <laughs> he on? <laughs> he was the headliner at Chris Myers. It finally happened. And so he, my brother works at the Hungry Jacks on a server. And he was dropping in to the server. Ah. And my brother was getting his energy drinks. And my brother... Did he crack it at the petrol prices? <laughs> he didn't <laughs> fucking have to pay for it. So True. And um, so my brother sees him in the server and yells at, Can I make you a whopper? Jesus, you retard. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that the that's best exactly, thing to do? That's exactly... And you know what Dan said? He goes, well, I did Victoria a whopper. And Dan said, yeah, okay. And they went in and he's, he... he Made him pay for a whopper. Firefighters don't even pay for Hungry Jacks and Gibson. Oh, you'd have to charge him. And he's he charged a, him. He's a politician. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. And he made him pay for it. And then he sent like a photo of it in the group chat. And he was telling us this, all these things that happened. And so like then I was... Uh, so your, did your brother make the shit out of the whopper or did he... No, he made it to perfection. Yeah. He's like, I wanna, he's like I'm going to make the best fucking whopper oh, Dan Andrews has ever had. And did Dan Andrews look up and go, the, the burgers are better. <laughs> and- <laughs> These are the best burgers. <laughs> But it, Make no mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, when he told me that, I was like, "That's uh, that's fucking funny." Like, you are because he, my brother has autism, so I, I was like, "This is like the that. most autistic thing." Like, you Forrest Gumped Dan Andrews into yeah. a whopper, yeah. And then I was uh, walking home, and I was just like brainstorming the idea, you know. 
But I felt like if I tried to sit down and write it, I, I'm like, this, it'd be too forced. Whereas if I could just get on stage, I'm like, man, you know what my brother did recently? This fucking idiot. And then just tell the story about how he, he made the most perfect whopper. He yeah. SpongeBob Dan Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I can't, I can't write. It's just all dot points. Yeah, good. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that because I was like, we went off on a tangent. And I was like, oh, how does he write? I'm interested. But yeah, I, you strike me as someone that would talk talk it out because you're always turning over material. Yeah, as in like churning it. Yeah, you're always yeah doing something different. Yeah, it's and I think it helps him. because like when you're doing jokes that you haven't written, but it's all in your head. When you're on stage, you just keep adapting it. Mm. You know, like I'll I'll have like a bit that I started, and then I'll because I don't. It's not written down. It has. It's like able to be adapted on stage, and like if I riff something, I just my mind just puts it directly into the joke, and then I was like, "What?" Well, because I'll audio record it, and then I'll go home like, "All right, well that's now part of the joke," mm-hmm. you know. Whereas if it's written down, you're like, "Oh, well this punchline didn't work. What the hell did I do wrong here?" You know. Whereas I'm just like, everything's open to be. Do you record? Yeah. Yeah, and listen back the next day, or yeah. Wherever. So I listen back and be like, "Oh shit." Yeah. Well, everyone hates their own. I hate my own voice. I so do I, my friend. Yeah. It's the worst. I loathe it. I'm that's, like, I, I hate it so much. I'm like, why would anyone want to pay to see this? Yeah. And then like, <laughs> if a joke's consistently not working, but you need to listen to it to try and get it good. And so you have to keep hearing your voice over and over with the same jokes. And you're like, yeah. oh, just fucking Do you listen up. to deaths as well? No. I listen to deaths. Only if, oh, it, if that joke's done well in the past. So, like, I listened to what tag didn't go well. Yeah, why why it failed. Yeah, so if, it, if I know that joke goes well and it doesn't one night, I'll listen to, to which tag didn't go well and then, like, was is this... Then I'll listen back to ones where it did go well and see if it's a big laugh or a mediocre laugh. If it's a mediocre laugh, I'll just scrap that tag. But it's a big laugh, I'll be like, well, that's just a one-off gig. Are you a psycho or do you genuinely sometimes believe that it can be the audience that are just not on? Oh, I mean... Yeah, I, I used to hate. I mean, we've the all audience, blamed the audience, but I think you can. There are moments, like you know, if uh, I mean, it depends. If, it depends on the gig. If you're the thirtieth act, you know, yeah. and it's like pushing eleven p.m. And yeah, I think it no all depends one, on the context. Of the no gig. one gives a fuck anymore. Like if I'm jumping up at Kings or the Lounge and I bomb, and I'm like, it's the oh, audience. God, knock on wood. If that ever happens, we're fucked. Yeah, it's if, all over. If I go, ah, oh, you guys are just a terrible audience. I, they'd take me out the back. They would, yeah. And uh, whereas if I'm doing an open mic, you know, and the crowd's not even giving a shit about the gig, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, this is the audience for sure. Some people are purists, and they're like, I refuse to blame the crowd, and I'm like, fuck, man. You have to sometimes. Sometimes you sometimes have to. It's, it's not you. But also, you're doing a gig where people don't know a comedy's going to happen, and then you're like, ta-da! That's the worst. Like Hungry Jacks. Like Hungry Jacks. Did that go ahead? No. It probably isn't. It, it never was approved. <laughs> yeah. It never got approved. They, but they can't, dude. They, it's they, a family restaurant. They can't have you up there slagging Ronald it, and <laughs> saying, God, God knows what you're going to say next. Well, like any... The thing is, what's crazy about it is he was expecting people were going to come watch a show, but it's like people are only there for like as long as they eat. And then another family would come in. Then you got a homeless junkie walking around the tables asking for coins. <laughs> And you're getting heckled by fucking some some cunt with a beanie. And he walks up to you on stage, and now you've got this fucking... Cunt. And then he's going to want the mic, obviously, 
because he's got the attention from asking for the money. Thank fuck he didn't get that Hungry Jacks gig because then he would have put gigs elsewhere. Yeah, well, weird spot. At, he'll, at what he'll do is he'll do the Hungry Jacks. With squidgies. And then he'll he'll go past Macca's on Elizabeth Street where it says 100 seats. And well, that's 100 seats I can sell. And then just do that. Yeah. And he's like, then we're taking Red Rooster. We're taking the whole whole city. But yeah, I don't think it, it would never go ahead. He'll probably just stick to his bowling alley gigs. Are they good? No. <laughs> There's a lot of bad gigs. I'm talking about London as well. When yeah. I was there for ten years. There I mean, you got to do them. You got to do them. Yeah. I mean, I would never say no to, nah, to a bowling alley gig just because, like, it's stage time, and then something's going to happen. Have you ever lined up a setup to the strike of the pins on the punchline? No, but Dan Rosario was on, and he. When he hit a punchline, someone hit a... Yeah, that's awesome. And it was perfect. It was perfect yeah, timing. Cause he that's was like, what I would love. As soon as he said a joke... That's a show just, reel. Yeah. As soon as he said, you just heard the, the pins. And then he's like, what? And the, the crowd will laugh and they were on board with it. Yeah. Dan's got a funny laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Something happens to his jaw. I don't know. You can't put a dick in there. It's like, <laughs> It just seizes up. But yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's a character. Good. There's a lot of good acts coming up. There is, man. But there's also a lot of shit. <laughs> but that's part and parcel. Well, I think every I think that's co- the way COVID didn't help because a lot of people sat in lockdown were like, I'm going to give stand-up a go. You Zoomed a lot. You the, were Zoom active, The first you? lockdown I didn't. 2020, I did. 2021, I didn't. Did I did you like get four. much out of that? Well, see, I treated 2020 Zoom gigs not... I didn't do it for laughs. I did it to write. So like, cause I was coming up with jokes over and over and over, I, cause I would do uh, Paula's one every Monday. So I tried to have a different five every month. That was my thing. I was like, I'll have a different five minutes every Monday to do Paula's, and I I treated uh I treated um Zoom gigs like an op- sign up open mic. I was like, this is gonna be bad, but if I can rehearse the jokes and structure them, and then when I get to do a proper gig. Or a Zoom gig that had punters. Mm. And then now I've got a structured set. Now i just got to find out if it's funny. Because if I'm doing the gigs trying to find... Like just trying to talk shit in a Zoom gig. And then I we get out of lockdown. And I noticed when I got out of lockdown, I was doing jokes that were felt... Like people were coming up to me going... Like Gary Jahan was like, dude, your set was killer. I was like, it's because I sat down and I, d- I was doing four or five gigs a week on Zoom, mm. just practicing these, these jokes over That's and over. That's good, yeah. So then they came off polished four months later, you know, rather than writing jokes in lockdown and then never doing them and then coming out and then you'd get on the open mic and you'd do dirty secrets and you're like, this joke's fucking bombing. Mm. And it's like, well, it's because you never practiced it. Yeah. you That joke would be great in like a month, you know, whereas my joke wasn't great on the first Zoom gig, but then after doing it, you know, mumps on Zoom, I structured it, and then it was ready for when lockdown ended. Uh, a couple of questions before I wrap up, man, because we've got to go to a gig. Um, wh- where do you want to go? Have you, do you have an end goal with stand-up, or do you know what you want? I want to go to the States. I reckon the States would be sick. Uh, so many times I've been like, I like you see comedy in the States, they're like way better than Melbourne. So I feel like if the only way to improve would be America or overseas, because like Australia, you're always gonna stay as flat as everyone else. Like you're not gonna peak as much as you would if you go overseas. Just from turning over six or seven gigs a night. Yeah, I feel like if you 
like if you go to America in front of proper crowds. Yeah, like, if you go to America and and, and do a gig, uh, and you see a lot of comedians in Melbourne who go to America for like a month or two and come back and they're better. Mm. They're better. They've you know they've found uh, their punchlines that they didn't find you know living in Melbourne. So I feel like living in America or even just going there for like six months every couple of years, and then you just you just work and just grind there. I feel like grinding in America. And then, you know, try and make a break there would be better than just doing the same rooms in Melbourne over and over. Like, I, I feel like if I'm in five years from now, if I'm still messaging the same room runners, be like, hey, can I do that? And I look at comedians and I was like, that that can't be, you can't find that happy, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't know why people would want to be still doing the same rooms. And just performing to their friends? Well, I think for me on this side of the equation, there's no other rooms. And I think in five years, I'd, I'd wish my material is deeper. And yeah. Just I mean, better and, and less obvious. But also people like yourself, you do you do it for, like you do corporates and you do 40 mm. club gigs and all that. But I'm talking about like just doing it in Melbourne. If you're just based in Melbourne, I, I find that not educating. I find you're not, you're not going to learn. Mm. You're not going to master the craft if you're p- performing to the same and also Melbourne being the same type of crowd Melbourne's not going to change mm. in the next five years it's going to be the same based city where everyone everyone's still the same Every, everyone all thinks the same so I feel like going to America uh, or somewhere where they're even the UK where they're more well in, I was in the UK for 10 years and only because I found it uh, I, I tried New York for six months but it was more of a um, New York was difficult it was uh, but you learn you're either someone or you're not. Yeah. And if you're not, it's hellish open mic scene oh, for sure. in New York. So then I came back and I was uh, a bit heartbroken. And then I spoke to a comedian called Brendan Burns. Yeah. And he said, you've got to go to London. Yeah. You just have two different 10-minute spots. Yeah. Every spot they're paid is a 20. Yeah. So I went over there, did two 10s, auditioned, got in. And yeah, started doing paid 20s in front of... Uh, proper audience yeah um that's how you learn you're not gonna learn yeah here and I, you learn from the variety like you're doing a yeah like a like a bucks party on a saturday night and then the next night you're in a theater on a sunday night yeah. and everyone's older and it's refined yeah see that's sick i'd rather i'd like to go overseas and where people don't know who you are mm. and they're like who's this australian guy coming over here and then you just start from scratch. Start from scratch, yeah. Build, build. You look at London. Yeah. If you've got time. I mean, yeah, you've got time. How old are you? 24? 24. 24, Well, yeah. the thing is, and what's crazy is in three years from now, I'll be 10 years into comedy at the age of 28. So like, mm. I want you won't stop until you knock on wood, fucking late 60s. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't go bananas. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to be in Melbourne in the next five years. I want, I want to be overseas. Yeah, because like you know, I'm not going to grow in Melbourne, nowhere. Yeah, there's no clicks in the you know in the the upper stands. You know, mm. if you find a name overseas or you know whether it's the UK or America, you know that I I I'd prefer building a name in the UK than just doing free comedy in Melbourne. Sure, for sure. Um. We got to wrap this up because I've got to get to a gig. But um, tell me what you're doing at the festival. Uh, I'm doing a solo. Uh, so I've got my show, which is called Still Got It. 
Still got it question mark, not to be confused with Mike Goldstein. Still got it exclamation mark. <laughs> and the festival love, you know, not telling us till last minute. So yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> did they point that out at the very last second? Well, I pointed out to Mike. Right. I was like, the hell did Susan do wrong? Like, uh, and I sent him a photo of both our posters. And he's like, oh boy. And I was like, if anyone, I doubt it's going to be a problem. But if it is, no. I'll just divert people to you and you do the same. Um, but yes, yeah, so my show is called Still Got It. It's at the the, uh, the Bards, I can never pronounce the name. It's Bards of Papetry or something like that. It's uh, it's on Burke Street. Near, it's across the road from Spleen Bar. So, oh, yeah. Uh, it's there from the 30th to the 9th, 8 p.m., first 10 nights of the festival. So I'm doing that, and then I'll run Laughs at Lantern for the last two weeks. Is at, that on a Sunday? No, every night. So, every night? So like we nice. did last year with Like Logan, a showcase? A showcase. Oh, I'll so, be down for that. Yeah, so we're That'd running a showcase. Uh, so that's every night. For the second half, so the last two weeks, but also once again, no Sundays, and then, yeah. So those are my two shows. If people, I mean, the showcases sell. If I can get people into my solo, and uh, otherwise, I'm booking a, a one way trip to Ukraine. That's what I'm doing. If I don't, <laughs> Shut the fuck up. If I don't sell, you'll get there and they'll I'll, be like, "My God, they've the Russians have starved them." Yeah, I'm like I'm going in. <laughs> yeah, they're like he, he's escaped. <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming in, man. Much appreciate. You're no, a great comic. Love having, having you me, on. Man. Thanks.